Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Second, uh, First Peter, the second chapter. Also, there will be a board meeting this Tuesday night. 7 o'clock for all board members. There will be a board meeting Tuesday at 7 o'clock. First Peter, the second chapter and verse 2. Now remember, we've been, we've been talking about growing up into Christ. Over there in the book of Ephesians, Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, he said to them that the reason the fivefold ministry was given to the, to the church was so that we could be perfected, we could be edified, we could grow up into the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. For the purpose or to the intent that we be no more children being tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Well, we read that in verses four, or chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. And then verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now this is our goal in life as a Christian, is that we may grow up into Christ in all things. Do you know what kind of a statement that is? I think we have belittled the Pauline revelation because we have looked at the Old Testament realities. We have looked at man by the standards of the Old Testament. We have tried to compare us, the new creation man, with the Old Testament man, a man who could not be established in righteousness, a man who could not be recreated in spirit, a man who could not walk in the divine presence of God, a man who could not walk into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus was not shed. And we try to pattern our life after the life of sin and condemnation. And not pattern our life after the fact that Jesus died and rose again and gave unto us righteousness, sanctification, wisdom, and redemption. And we can walk in the very presence of the Almighty God. That's what the, that's what the Pauline Revelation is all about. That's exactly what Paul was writing to the church. Put it to, your, put it to you like this. The epistles were written to the church. You and me. They are for us. They are to teach us. We are to spend 90% of our studying in the epistles. From Romans right on through to uh, the three epistles of John. Right to Jude. Right to the end there. Now, in this epistle here of Peter, we see something about this word grow. We quoted to you in Ephesians 4.15 and said, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things. Okay, this scripture says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Now, the word grow over there means to enlarge or to increase. That you may enlarge. We quote sometimes, we say, The Lord increases or enlarges my capacity to receive revelation knowledge of Him and of His word. We pray that way. We pray that His... His life may be enlarged within us. We read over there in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse 7, saying that every man has been given the measure of grace, grace according to the measure of the stature of Christ. Isn't that right? We read that in Ephesians 4, 7. We've been given that grace, but God wants us to grow thereby. 
Now that same word that's found here that means to enlarge or to increase is the same word that's found in Ephesians the fourth chapter and verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 15 that says, Speaking the truth in love, you may grow up. You may enlarge or increase into Him. Alright, let's look at another scripture that uses the same word in the, in the epistles. Look at the second book of Peter, third chapter, verse 18. I want to show you what you are to grow in. I like the way the Bible answers itself. The Spirit of God answered all the questions we could actually have about our lives if we were to seek them diligently with a pure heart. You say, I'm supposed to grow. I'm supposed to grow. I know I'm supposed to grow, but what am I supposed to grow in? Well, let's see something here. In 2 Peter, the third chapter and verse 18, it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your growth comes in grace and knowledge. Now, remember something Peter also said in both of his epistles, are, are really the theme of both of his epistles are we are to grow up into Christ regardless of contradictory circumstances, regardless of going through fiery trials. We are still to grow up into him. And in first, second Peter, the second cha- first chapter, verses 4, actually we start with 2, but verses 4 through 10, we said that he gives you the perfect man. God's way that man will never fall. He ends it by saying that if you do these things, you shall never fall or fail the grace of God. you never fall. But over here, let's back up to the 11th verse. I want you to see something. We'll, uh, I quoted to you that 18th verse to give you that word. That word grow again means to enlarge or to increase in grace. You've been given the measure of grace. You've been given grace. You are to enlarge in grace. You are to increase in grace. But let's see something he says here about Paul. Back up to verse 11. Seeing then that ye... That these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy lifestyle or conduct and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, when, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as do they also, the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things be before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge. We are to grow in grace. We are to grow in the knowledge. And as I said before, that's why there's been a hindrance to the growth of the body of Christ. They're tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. They do not grow in grace or in the knowledge of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ because the pulpit is not preaching it. And I put the blame right here behind the pulpit. Men were placed in authority behind these pulpits to bring forth the Word of God in power. Paul said as an able minister of the gospel of Jesus, he said, I won't want to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified and I'm going to give it to you by the Word of the wisdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he meant what he said. 
We've got no business to preach anything except the power that's in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's made available to you and to me so we can walk in the light of it. Now, I'm going to read that to you from the Amplified Bible just to give you a little bit of a little bit clear understanding of what he said here in verse 16. Speaking of this, he's talking about Paul. Let me back up. Even as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the spiritual insight given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters, there are some things in those epistles of Paul that are difficult to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue through to their own utter destruction, just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. And I think he put it clearly. I think this translation puts it clearly. We've got those that are preaching. And let me say something right here about this. And, and I, I want to tie it into another scripture later on. If we get there, we get there. If not, praise God. They misconstrue and misinterpret and misunderstand to the degree that they don't even understand good from evil. Do you know that Paul in Hebrews, as a matter of fact, I'm led there, so let's go there right now. I'll just bring it right in. Right now. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews, this is talking about your lack of growth. This is talking about why the church has failed to grow up. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter. The ministry has been divided. They're one's teaching you one thing, the other's teaching you the other thing. They're not coming to a place where they're preaching, I believe, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, but they're believing their own understanding and misconstrues understanding of the Scriptures. I mean that. Look at the Scripture right here. Verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again must be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now let me read that again from the Amplified Bible. And again, I'm doing it for a particular reason. I want you to see something here. For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to teach you over again the first principles of God's Word. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness. That is of conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought and action, for he is a mere infant not able to talk yet. Speaking the truth in love caused you to grow up. Not even talking the right things of God. You're not even talking righteousness. That's what he's saying. Look at the next verse. But solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental faculties, the five physical senses, the mental faculties, are trained by practice, practice of the word, to discriminate and distinguish between good and evil. There's a little bit more, but I'm just going to give you that much for this reason. Good and evil. They have not yet distinguished or determined. They have not yet trained their reasoning faculties. They have not trained their senses to determine what is good and what is evil. Therefore, they cannot grow up. Let me give you an example. Over there in Mark's Gospel, when Jesus went before the synagogue, right there before the leaders in the synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand, they said, let's watch and see whether or not he heals this man on the Sabbath day. Jesus said, is it good to do, wh wh which is better, to do good or to do evil? Now notice that scripture says, they haven't yet discerned what's good and what's evil. 
Your senses have not determined yet what's good and what's evil. And so Jesus said, that, is, it good to do, is it better to do good or is it better to do evil? What's good and what's evil? Well, he, sa- he saw the, the hardness of the hearts. He saw their hypocritical attitude. So he said, stand up, you with the withered hand, and said, stretch forth thine hand. And he healed them right there in front of, the, in front of all of them. You know what they did? You healed by Beelzebub. You cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. They said, that's of the devil. Yes, beloved, you've got people in Christian churches, full gospel Christian churches. I don't care. You name it. I'm going to name any denomination. It doesn't matter to me. You've got people in Christian churches that are saying that the devil's done those things. Or the devil put sickness, I mean, or God puts that sickness on you or that disease on you. They yet don't even know whether or not calamity comes on somebody and they say, well, God just wanted to do that to you to show you a lesson or do this or do that. Or God made you sick with cancer just to teach you a lesson. That is hogwash. That's straight from the pit. And it's ridiculous. I can go a little bit further than that. Listen to me. It's time we grow up. It's time we put away these foolish questions. Jesus said, is it better to do good or to do evil? And he healed the man. And Acts, the 10th chapter, says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. In other words, that man whose withered hand was there by the devil. And Jesus did the good. They have not yet. And then they go and blame God for the sickness and blame the devil in some churches if they get healed. Oh, oh mercy. Thank you, brother. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's the truth. Or God had his hand in it somehow, some way. They have not yet discerned and got their senses or their reasoning faculties together and, you know, through practice of the word to realize that God is the author of good and Satan is the author of evil and the evil comes from the devil and the good comes from God. I couldn't put any clearer than that. Every good gift and every perfect gift is some above coming down from the Father, lies with whom the shall it turn Amen? See? There it is right there. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Where does it come from, beloved? From the Father of what? Glory to God, He's good. Dear Lord, so I tell you, it gets my righteous indignation. I just want to just sometimes just say, glory to God. Father God, when will the church grow up and realize that the devil's doing the evil and God's doing the good? What's so hard about that? But they haven't done it yet. Praise God, not here at Midland though. We know what comes from God, and we know what comes from the devil. Glory to God. Everything good comes from God. Healing comes from God. The Holy Spirit comes from God. Glory comes from God. Walking in divine health comes from God. All these things come from God. Sickness and disease and demons and death and sin all come from the devil. Dividing line. John 10.10. Isn't that the truth? Well, I'm going to show you a scripture here. You got everybody to shout here? You've got to have your shouting clothes on tonight. You've got to have them ready because we're going to get just taken off into glory here in a little bit. I mean that. I, I know it. I know it. I was in glory back there while, while I was studying this thing. And I'll tell you what. We're going to get caught up into it. Now listen. Over here in Philippians, I want to show you something. The first chapter. You may never know. There's some scriptures I'm going to read to you now. You may never know was in the Bible. But that's okay. You got your steak knives out? I quoted to you some scriptures this morning. I'm going to go show them to you tonight. And we'll give you some more as we go along. Philippians, the first chapter. See, we are to grow in grace. We are, grace and peace is multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God, right? You got knowledge of salvation, then you have been saved for by grace or you saved through faith. You have exercised God's grace for what? 
for salvation, for being born again. You have exercised that part of God's grace. But you are to grow in grace. I'm not satisfied just being on my way to heaven. There's more to the grace of God or he would have said grace is multiplied through knowledge. Isn't that right? So if grace can be multiplied in my life through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, I want that grace to multiply. When I show you what that grace is as we go along, glory to God, it'll get you, it'll get you wanting everything that God has for you. Where are we at? Philippians, the first chapter. We'll find it here in a minute. Philippians, the first chapter. Let's take a look at verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having desired to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of the faith. Of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct or your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand. Now listen to this. That you stand fast in one spirit. With one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Listen to this next verse. First part. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. People are running away. Oh, the devil did this. Devil did this. Nothing terrified. You stand, beloved, you and I stand fast, shoulder to shoulder, arrayed with the glory of God, arrayed in the armor of God, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, faith to faith. Standing fast in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I guarantee you, we'll get to a place in this body that will stand in the presence of the enemy and won't be terrified by any of our adversaries. Because the Spirit of God will give us a mouthful of wisdom that none of our adversaries can gainsay nor resist. It'll be so powerful that he'll just have to flee every time he comes around your dwelling place. And it shall be fulfilled in you that no plague shall come nigh your dwelling at all. And no evil shall befall you. Think about that. We're going to get into the meat of the gospel now. You ready? First John. You can get to a place in God that the devil can't touch your life. You can get to a place in God that when he comes to attempt to uh, grab a hold of your life, the fire of God around you will put to naught the devil just like that. It'll burn out anything he could throw your way. Any dart that could come your way, he'll just dissolve it like that by the flame of glory. Look at here. Take the scripture to heart. Don't try to read something into it that's not there. It's, it's there. Shake your head about it if you want to, but just read it. Meditate it. Verse 18, 1 John 5, 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Beloved, we know that whosoever is born of God, actually what he is saying is can walk free from sin. You know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is in a nutshell? Sinlessness, sicklessness, deathlessness. In a nutshell. Sinlessness, sicklessness, deathlessness. He that believeth on me shall never die. That's the gospel. Look what he does. He sinneth not, but he keepeth himself, and that wicked one does what? You know why he doesn't touch him? He doesn't touch him. He doesn't even touch him. Okay, let's back up. First of all, he keeps himself. Where does he keep himself? Turn a page over to Jude. 
verse 20. Don't let that scripture get by your thinking. Because if you had any sense in you, you shot in glory on the inside right now. He keeps himself and that devil, that wicked one, toucheth you not. Don't you want to grow to a place in Jesus Christ that that wicked one cannot touch you? Think about that. Think about that. I want to grow to a place manifesting the very life and nature of God that that wicked one won't even... No, I just won't get healed when, I, when he attacks me. He won't touch me. He won't even lay his hand upon me. I'm going to show you in the Word of God how God works to prevent him from touching you. Look at this verse here, verse 20. But you, beloved, building up, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love. What does he keep himself? All right, listen to me. When you're walking in love, are you sinning? Love is the fulfilling of the law. When you keep yourself in the divine love of God, you are walking free from sin. When you walk free from sin, you walk free from sickness. When you walk free from sickness, death has no power over you. That's what he's saying. He keeps himself in the love of God and the wicked one touches him not. Go on down. Verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He keeps you from falling. What did it say back there in Peter? See, if you're not with us, you just have to get some tapes because I taught this before. What did it say there in Peter? He that does these things shall never fall, but you'll stand before God, faultless, blameless, in the presence of the glory of God, just like you belong right there. Because you do. You belong right in the presence of the glory of God. Now, let's go to another scripture. How do you do it? Go back to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Second, first Peter, the second, second Peter, the first chapter and verses two through ten gives you how to do it. He says, add to your faith virtue, add to virtue knowledge, add to knowledge temperance, add to temperance patience, add to patience godliness, add to godliness brotherly kindness, add to brotherly kindness charity. You know what he says right there he didn't put in there? Right there he can put what John, what you just put in there. Add to your brotherly kindness charity and keep yourself in charity. Keep yourself in the love of God. And if you do these things, you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the what? In the knowledge. If you're fruitful in the knowledge, you're going to be fruitful in the grace. And we didn't get to the grace yet. If you're fruitful in the grace of God, you have got yourself a mighty shield, a mighty weapon, a mighty force around you of God. Okay. Here's how you do it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. How many of you think the Lord is strong? You think He's strong? Okay. You're to be strong in the Lord in the power of whose might? Whose might? You mean you can actually be strong in the Lord in the power of God's might? Uh, and may I ask you this then? Why do we have any questions about whether or not everybody should be walking free from sickness and disease and sin? Sin, sickness, disease. When it's worth taught that the Bible teaches us sin has no more dominion over you. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Do you know that John dealt with sin like this? No one should sin, but if any man do, we have an advocate with the Father. Think about that. 
Think about what John was, the place John came in his walk with God that he could say, well, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Did you ever read that? I wrote these things unto you knowing that no man should sin, but if any man does sin, I have an, you have an advocate with the Father. He was so, he abhorred sin, he abhorred evil and sin so much. You should run from it like the flu. Think about it. You should run from sin as in terror. Don't get hooked up with sin. Turn your back on sin. Resist sin. Resist the devil and all that belongs to him. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the life of God. Keep awake under righteousness and sin not. Stop sinning. That's what he's saying. Now that will keep you in a place of righteousness. That will keep you in a place of communion with the Father God. You will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You will put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's why people aren't standing against the wiles of the devil. They forgot the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, I take on you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth. Speaking the what? The truth in what? Speaking the what? In what? You're speaking the word of God in love means you're not sinning, you're speaking faith. You are staying in the very power of God. You are staying in the might of God. You have kept yourself in the love of God. You refuse to submit to sin. The wicked one cannot touch you. Okay, he goes on. Having your uh, loins good about with truth. Then he went on to say, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Right standing with the Father God. You are standing in the presence of the Almighty God in righteousness. There is no sense of guilt. There is no sense of inferiority. You can stand in the presence of God without a sense of guilt or inferiority. Do you know what that's saying? You can stand in the presence of God like Jesus stood in the presence of God. You can walk to the very throne of God. It says, enter in, beloved, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You can stand right there and talk with the Father God where no man ever can do it before. This generation. These last 2,000 years. Righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, not your minister down to friend or, or my word, nobody's word. What does the word of God actually say? I'll tell you what it says, beloved. It says if you keep yourself in the love of God and if you keep yourself and protect yourself and you sin not, then the wicked one cannot touch you. Either that or John lied. Think about that. I want to walk it in that, don't you? Okay, above all, Take the shield of faith, wherewith he shall be able to quench. How many? How many? How many? All the fiery darts of who? How many of them? All of them. Every single one of them. There, he's saying the same thing. And the wicked one toucheth you not. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication for, in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, this is part of your armor. I want you to go back to that, that 18, I'm sorry, the 16th verse over there. 
where he talks about the shield of faith. Is that verse 16? All right, take the shield of faith. I want you to underline the word shield. Now, I want to show you something. That when you in your life decide to consecrate yourself to putting on the armor of God and keeping yourself in the love of God and keeping yourself protected by the armor of God and using all that God's armor is to you and using the Word of God, I want to show you what happens to the believer that chooses to do that and does that and walks in it. There's a shield of faith. Now go back to the fifth psalm. Verse 12. Now this shield, as I said this morning, is not just that little thing that someone puts in front of them to try to ward off these darts of the devil. I think we've been misled when we've talked, to it, talked about it in that manner. The shield of faith. Well, let's read right here and talk about this shield. I'm going to show you how God's word, word lines up. Verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous, with favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Now that word compass is just, just saying it's just going to crown him. He's going to crown you as with a shield. He's going to crown you with favor. As with the shield, compass you about. He's not just talking about uh, some little shield that you held out in front of you just like this here. He's talking about a shield that is going to encompass you. Let's go to the 84th Psalm. Let's see something else here. Verse 11. The word there in, in uh, Psalm 5 is for shield is zina, Z-I-N-N-A-H, and it means a big shield. A big shield. He's going to compass you or crown you with a big shield. That's what God's going to do for you. Of course, for the righteous, and you are the righteous. Now, over here in the 81st Psalm, verse 11. 84th Psalm, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. All right, look at these next two words. The Lord will give grace and glory... No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now he's a sun and a shield. I'll give you those words in a minute. But notice grace and glory. You and I have been called to glory. We were told that in First Peter. I'm sorry, Second Peter. Third verse of the first chapter. We've been called to virtue and glory. He says, I will be great. I will give them grace and I will give them glory. Remember when Paul was uh, talking about the devil that was buffeting him? And the Lord spoke to him and says, My grace is sufficient for thee. And we looked up these words and, and uh, we saw that the word is sufficient. God's grace is a barrier. God's grace is a lifting up of a wall. Or God's grace is as a shield. Alright? And he says, also glory. Now back up to this where it says sun and shield. Now the word sun is brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant beams of light. The Lord God is brilliant beams of light. And a shield means a protector or a defender. Think about it. Let's put these things together. His grace 
and his glory is being contrasted with sun and a shield. God's grace is a wall, a barrier, a standard. Okay? God's grace. It's a wall. It's a barrier. Now, the glory of God is just like the sun, is beams of light. Beams of light. Rays of light. So His beams of light, His grace, His beams of light shall be unto us a wall or a barrier. A shield, so to speak. A protector. A defender. Remember the 91st Psalm, verse 4? When He talked about His truth shall be my shield and buckler. His what? Speaking the what? Speaking the what? Speaking the truth in what? Because you set your love upon me, I will what? Okay, listen. His truth is a protector. His truth is your shield and buckler. It is your protector. It's a protector. The Word has light in it. The Word has glory in it. When you speak the Word of God, it produces a shield around you. A fortress, so to speak. It encompasses you about with this glory that's in that word and the wicked one can't touch you if you're speaking the truth in love. It becomes brilliant, radiating the very life of God out of you. I'm going to show you that further. Let's go back to uh, the book of Habakkuk. Well, before we go there, let's look at something else. Go to Isaiah first. Isaiah, the 59th chapter. I want to tie these things in together and then we're going to let it all come out. I began to think about this because I said, now, Father God, if this is true, if we could walk to a place to fulfill the 91st Psalm, do you know that 91st Psalm has got to be either a lie or it's got to be something that men have never entered into? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shell of the Almighty. I'll say, the Lord, I'm my refuge, my fortune, my God, and you will I trust. Surely you shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence. You'll cover me with your feathers, under your wings I'll trust. Your truth shall be my shield and buckler. I'll not be afraid of the terror by night, if they will fly by day, and so on and so forth. No pestilence shall come nigh my dwelling, no evil shall befall me. Man, that's glorious. That is glorious. No plague come nigh my, near my dwelling. That's what we're talking about. If you don't got your steak knife out, you're going to have to bring it. Or come on Wednesday for the milk. But the Spirit of God wants me to get into the meat right now. In these sermons, these two sermons. The glory of the Lord is that shield. And we're going to see how to manifest that glory of the Lord. But that 91st Psalm is saying that it could be a shield to us if you could dwell in the secret place of God to such a degree that you could walk in awareness of God around you so that when the evil comes your way, it won't befall you. And when plagues come your way, they will not come nigh your dwelling. Now you're going to get the idea of the shield. Because when they hit the shield of light, darkness cannot come where light is. Isn't that right? You're going to see how you're going to manifest this light. Now look at this scripture. 59 chapter of Isaiah. Verse 19. So, so shall they fear the Lord, name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I, did, I was inquired, the Spirit of God, I, was, I always quoted this before. 
and you've quoted it before, and we all said how nice that is, the Spirit of God, you lift up a standard. But I want to know what that standard meant. I looked it up, and it means banner. A banner. Now think about this, what we're talking about. We can get to a place with God that when the enemy comes in like a flood, now it said the wicked one touched you not. It didn't say the wicked one was not coming with his fiery darts, did it? It says that the wicked one touched you not. You know when the wicked one will touch you not? The Spirit of the Lord is the glory of God. We know that. We've already shown that through the Scriptures. It's the, it's the manifestation of the Spirit of God, the glory of the Lord. The standard is a banner. We wave the banner, right? Okay. Now listen. When the enemy comes in at your house like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up the blood-stained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ and all around you, and so that the devil, as soon as he comes and sees the blood, he can't get in. That's exactly what he was saying here in Isaiah. And you and I are living in the generation... Why should it be that it should, why should we think that it's not so? When we go back and, find, and, and read, when they had their houses covered with the, with the blood of goats and animals and bulls, that when the devourer came, it could not destroy them. It could not come to their household. No plague come out of their dwelling. It could not get to the Israelites. Why, if we have faith in the blood of goats and bulls and realize that that blood could protect them from wickedness and evil, why can't we believe that the blood of the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God that was slain for you and for me, cannot keep the wicked one from coming to this dwelling place? Spirit of God will lift up that blood-stained banner of Jesus and march all around your being. Because you see, the Spirit of God will be like a cloud around you. That's that shield he's talking about. And when he comes down, it says, off limits. Devil, that means you. See? Okay, now let's go on here. Now go to the book of Habakkuk. The third chapter. If you've got a Nelson Bible, it's page 1008. If you don't, you've got to look it up in the front of your Bible. The third chapter. Well, you could have a Kenneth Hagin edition too. And it's the same page. Alright, now listen. The third chapter of the book of Habakkuk. I want to show you something about this glory. About this knowledge that we're talking about. In the third verse. Got the third chapter of the book of Habakkuk. Everybody got it? I don't want you to miss it. We're putting some steak out for you. You're going to have to digest this now and grab a hold of it. God came, verse 3. From Teman. And the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah, His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise, and His brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of His hand, and there was the hiding of His power. Now those horns in my margin over here says, bright beams out of His side. There were bright beams of light radiating from the presence of the Lord. You remember over there in uh, the book of Exodus when, when Moses stood there before the presence of God, he saw this consuming fire. Beams of light is where the power of the Lord is hid inside those beams of light that was coming forth from the Almighty God. Okay? Now go back to the second chapter. Verse... Well, let's start with verse 12. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and stoppeth the city by iniquity. Behold... Is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the, in the very fire? In the, and the people shall weary themselves for very, very vanity? For the earth... Now listen. 
For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, in chapter 3 and verse 3, it said His glory covered the heavens, but His praises were on the earth. But He said, there's coming a day that when the glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall be revealed unto us, and it shall cover the earth as the waters, you see, cover the sea. All right, now you ready? 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He was not talking about the Holy Spirit of God just coming down and letting the glory, the Shekinah glory, just, you know, float around the earth. That's not what he's talking about. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. This knowledge that we are to increase in is the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Fourth chapter and verse 6. For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord would be upon the earth as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord has been shining in our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's how the glory of the Lord was going to cover all the earth. There's a wave of the glory of the Lord through knowledge that's covering the earth even now. It's causing a mighty wave of the glory of God to be manifested in different parts of city, different cities. It's happening right now. We're on the very brink of it right now, entering into the fullness of what he's talking about here back in Habakkuk. The knowledge of this glory of God is upon the face of the earth. That knowledge is in you. It's in me. It's in the face of Jesus Christ. I'll go one step further. And you and I are being changed into that very glory right now. Right now. We're being changed into it. Now, it was through Jesus Christ. Notice it was in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus being the brightness of His what? The express image of His what? Alright, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. He's the express image of His very own person. Who, upholding all things by the word of His power, who when He, after He purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's Jesus. He's full of that glory. He was glorified. Now listen. Over here in, you're in the fourth, we'll go back up. Let's look at this, the third, verse 18, but then we'll, we'll go on something here. But we all with an open face, beholding, as in a glass or in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are changed. Now you mark this word right now. Transfigured. Transformed. You hearing me? Transfigured or transformed. What do you think the amount of transfiguration was? When he was transfigured right before them in the glory of God. You and I are being transfigured. We are being transformed into the same image. What image? What image? Of the glory of the Lord. Of the image of the glory of God. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. When I saw this, it made me to shout. When I show you something else, it'll make you to shout in a minute too. 
It's, I was just praying into, I had my message all done. I was praying in tongues, the Spirit of God led me right to the Scripture and said, read it and get, get an understanding of what it's saying. I looked up a word and it just opened up my eyes. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are whose? Alright, now you ready for this nugget of truth? The word glorify means to esteem glorious. The word glorify means to render or esteem glorious. Now listen, what he was saying was esteem glorious or render glorious God in your body. Did I say it too fast? Esteem glorious. Esteem glorious God. Esteem glorious God in your body. In other words, let the glory of God live in your body. Esteem glorious God in your body. Esteem glorious God in your body. And in your spirit. Your body is being changed and transfigured by the glory of the Word, the light of God's Word. And you are being changed and your body is receiving God and more God and more God and more God and more God. Until you are manifesting the life of God manifest in your flesh. Until those beams and shafts of light begin to flow out of your pores. That's what he's saying here. what he meant here. Esteem glorious God in your body. God is in my body. Glory. God. Think about that. Think about what he's saying. What is that so hard to realize when, when, when Paul said, we're always dying daily that the life of Christ, the zoe of Christ, the life of Christ will be made manifest in my mortal flesh. It's the same glory that encompassed Adam when he was created, such a wonderful being, a little bit lower than the Elohim, God Himself. The glory that shone right about Him that He couldn't, did not know and discern that He was naked because the glory was His covering. I want to show you something here in the back, back in the book of Isaiah. Something that will enlighten you. Something that will produce hope in you and consequently faith in you. In this fourth chapter of the book of Isaiah. Now remember, Jesus had this glory shield around Him. Well, they tried to throw Him over the hill over there at the edge of the city. He turned and walked through the midst of them. When I was a younger Christian, I said... Uh, I don't know about you guys, but those kinds of things, those kind of things puzzled me. I said, now, Father, those men were strong enough to pick up Jesus and literally take him by the shirt and take him all the way out of the city to the edge of the hill. And there all they had to do, and if he'd have fallen off, he'd have been dead. All that, all those men, all them angry Jews were able, were, you know, able to take him to the edge of the city. And when he got to the edge of it, when death was, he was confronted with death to his face, he turned around and walked to the midst of them. What happened? 
He wasn't subject to death. And the glory shield was manifested. And they couldn't touch him. And that wicked one toucheth you not. And then one time, after he got done preaching, they picked up stones to cast stones at him, and they couldn't do it. He conveyed himself away to the multitudes. And then another time, you remember, the Roman soldiers came to arrest him and to, and to take him in. And when they got there, when they got close enough to that glory, they said, never yet has a man spake the words that this man has spoken. And they didn't touch him. And then they're going to Garden of Gethsemane. You know the Mount of Transfiguration. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, there he was. And as long as he was, you know, not manifesting that glory, they walked right up to him and said, uh, Whom who seek ye? He said, Jesus of Nazareth, the I am. And they all fell over. Why didn't he just keep doing that? He says, but it's my time now. So he didn't do it. When he said, I am, those words produce a glory shield that was so powerful it knocked the whole army over. Glory to God. Now listen to this. Verse 2, chapter 4. Talking about the millennial reign. And in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem. Oh, listen, we've been purged. Isn't that right? We're born again already. Talking about the millennial reign. You listen to this. Uh, uh, of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. That glory is a defense. It is a covering. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert or a covering from storm and from rain. Talking about... Now, let's, let's go to the book of Revelation. Now, that's talking about that period of time. This book of Revelation is talking about the end. I want you to see something here. I want you to see what that glory did, what that glory was. In verse, let's go to the context of it, in verse 1, chapter 21. While you're finding that, find chapter 1 also of Revelation. Okay, verse 1 of chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And you know all that. Go on down to verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her, her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Okay. Fine. Now turn over to the... Well... Now hold your place right there. Turn back to the first chapter now. I want you to see something here. I want to make a little point here. Verse 5. Paul here, John here writing in this revelation in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Who's the kings of the earth? Let me hear everybody say, who's the kings of the earth? 
Well, if you don't believe that, let's read on a little more. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You see, we've already been purged. He purged our sins, isn't that right? Okay, now listen. And hath made us what? And peace unto who? And his father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Go over to the fifth chapter. One more text. Verse 10. No, verse 9. Start with verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to, open, to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. The blood's already been appropriated for us. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God what? And where shall we reign? Okay, now are we kings unto God? Are we kings in the earth? Is not Jesus the king of kings? Aren't we, aren't we the kings? All right, now go over to the 21st chapter of Revelation and let's begin reading with verse 22. I never saw the scripture before, but I'll tell you what, I about jumped out of my seat back there in the office when I, and I read it. Look at it. 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, for He is the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And listen to this. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Did you get that? And the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. Glory to God. We are the kings of the earth through the blood of Jesus. And He said, we have this deposit or this treasure in earthen vessels. The glory of the Lord is in us. We are being changed outwardly into that very image of the glory of God. And when the city of Jerusalem, the new city, the new heavens, when it's all lit up, the glory of the kings of the earth shall be part of its light. You are the light in this earth, the salt of the earth. He that followeth that mission, not walk in darkness, he shall have the light of life. Now, let's see something else here to show you further, further witness. What I'm saying is, beloved... That glory that's already in you can be manifested out of you to produce a shield around you. Light being forces of the light of God. What do you think he meant when he said, If thy eye be single, then thy whole body shall be full of light, and the whole shall be full of light. If you're light in spirit, light in soul, light in body, that light is then shining out of you. And if that light is shining out of you, the glory of God is shining forth from you. It produces a shield round about you that darkness cannot enter in. That's the shield of faith. Glory to God, that's the shield of faith. Let's look at another scripture here. Romans 8, chapter. One can hardly read this. In light of what we just talked about, one could hardly read this and stand on his feet. Oh, you ready for it? What image? This is the image. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow... He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, 
that I might, he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Are you justified? And them whom he justified, them he also you, beloved, in the mind of God, are glorified in spirit. Now glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know how you glorify God in your spirit? Let Jesus live there. He's the glory of your spirit. You know how you glorify God in your body? Let God live there. Let the life of Jesus live in your body. You glorify God you esteem God in your body. Glorious. That's what he's talking about. One can hardly read it. One can hardly fathom in their mind. Can, can I understand this? We'll go to 1 John, the third chapter. Let's see something else here. I've read these things when I was, since I was a, a little, little one. I could hardly contain them back then. I, I didn't know what they said, what they meant. I read them. I didn't know what he was saying. I couldn't chew on that. Look at over here. Behold, verse, chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we, listen to what we know. But we know that, we know that. What do we know? We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Now, wait a minute. That wasn't saying you'll be changed then. That's not what he was saying. He said, we know this. What do we know? We know that when He appears, we'll be like Him. You know why you'll be like Him when He appears? Let's go on and read the rest of this. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath the soul purify himself, even as He is pure. Now go over to the fourth chapter, verse 17. You will be as He is. You will appear as He is. You will be as He is when you see Him when He appears. Because in verse 17 of the fourth chapter... Here is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we. Now. Because as He is, so are we. And when He appears, we shall be as He is because as He is, so are we. Glorified. You are identified with Christ. You were crucified with Christ. You died with Christ. You were buried with Christ. You were made alive with Christ. You were raised with Christ. You were seated with Christ and glorified in Christ. That's who you are right now. And when you have, we ever get this knowledge from this head to this heart, and we start walking in that kind of a light, blessed be God, you put away childish things like, did God want to get me sick? Did God want to do this? That's hogwash. He came to destroy the power of him that had the power of death. He destroyed the devil. He destroyed death. He destroyed sickness. He destroyed disease. And if we let God live in us, it'll be destroyed in our bodies. It'll never live in us. That's what he's revealing to us. You can't give that to babies. Paul said, I can't speak unto you as spiritual. I can only speak unto you as carnal. You can't understand these deep things I'm talking to you about. If I told you some of these things, he says, you never understand it. I can't give you this kind of meat. You were not able to bear it then. You're not, you're not able to bear it now. That's what he was saying here. That's what he was telling these people. Well... What are you going to do about it? You can check every scripture up if you want to. Don't think I got this out of some kind of, you know, foreign Bible. Beloved, 
I purpose in my heart to do this. When he told me I was more than a conqueror through him that loved me, over what? Death, principalities, powers, none of the adversary, none of the, I'll not be terrified of any of the enemy. No evil, when he told me no evil befall, befall me and no plague come nigh my dwelling, and I saw plagues coming nigh my dwelling and me getting them, I said, God, you are not a liar. My Father God does not lie. If he said I could dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, I could abide under the glory of the Almighty. That word shadow means image. Reflected image. A shadow is a reflected image. I will abide under the reflected image of the Almighty. And Jesus was the express image of His person being the brightness of His glory. And when I abide under that image, He shall be my shield. He shall be my buckler. His banner over me shall be, yes, the love of the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. It meant that if I am walking in that relationship, in that awareness of my consciousness with God, it means that blessed be God, then no evil will befall me, no plague come nigh my dwelling, and the wicked one toucheth me not. Glory to God. You ready for that kind of steak? I'll tell you what, I want to live like that. Don't get on me because I want to live like that. I want to walk like that. That is my goal and desire. You can cut it right there, brother. Glory to God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.